0: Well, Dan, it's not my fault I was born into a poor family. You know, how many times have you heard someone explain why they haven't been able to get a job, why they haven't been able to go to college, to make money, to get them beyond their basic needs, to start a business, or buy the car of their dreams? Well, it also typically then includes blaming, criticizing, pointing fingers, and explaining why it's not their fault. I'm going to tell you about a little boy who defied the odds against him.
1: Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller.
0: Well, here we are. We're going to be taking care of business like we do week after week here on the 48 Days Podcast. 48 days, if you're a new listener, just means that we believe you can change your destiny. Change your stars in 48 days. You don't have to wait for years. You don't have to wait till you finish paying off those student loan debts or wait until the mortgage is paid off or you get out of college. You can decide now to change your life dramatically in 48 days. If you create a plan and act on it, we have lots of testimonials about people who've done just that. So we're going to be unpacking listener questions here, your questions, where we talk together to figure out how we can move up this ladder of success a little more quickly. So here's questions for today. Are we going to see a shift toward the uberization of the U.S. workforce? Now there's an interesting term. We'll talk about what that means. Dan, my wife and I are former teen parents who want to start a podcast around our journey and we hit about what we have learned along the way. Someone says, I don't see opportunities in my area of interest, but I'd love to dig in. Then we got one from a gentleman, I'm going to share this at the end if we get to it, who says, I have a dream, an impossible dream, a dream so foolish that I'd be an idiot to try it and so glorious that I'd be stupid not to go for it. All right, our quotation today is, comes from T. Harv Eker. You probably recognize that term. He wrote books like The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Has a lot of TV presence, does a lot of workshop seminars around the country, around the world, really, on financial things. But he says this, you can be a victim or you can be rich, but you can't be both. Listen up. Every time, and I mean every time, you blame, justify, or complain, you are slitting your financial throat. That's a pretty clear statement, I'd say. Pretty clear. If you're blaming, you're, go, you're slitting your financial throat. That's a pretty vivid image of what happens there. Uh, T.R. Vacker did a testimonial, or an endorsement rather, for one of my books, No More Dreaded Mondays. I just pulled it off the shelf to remind myself what he said. And he said, as every millionaire knows, you'll never gain wealth and financial security by working in a job you hate. No More Dreaded Mondays provides an inspiring roadmap on how to find meaningful work and financial freedom. Well, thank you again for that, T. Harv Ecker. Hey, our resource today, this is exciting. been waiting to share this for a long time. Resource is this. I'll give you the URL. I'll give it to, again to you here in a little bit, but this is it. If you go to 48dayseagles.com slash experience, that has to be 48 days eagles. 48 days takes you to another another place but 40 slash experience Now what that is and what we've been so excited to announce is that we're going to be doing some 48 days meetups around the country. You all requested it. Everybody's eager to get together again. A lot of people are missing the fun events we used to have at our property up in Franklin, Tennessee, where we had the sanctuary and we had people eating mulberries and walking nature trails and going on zip lines and a lot of things that created experiences there. We're going to fire those up again and begin a lot of help from you, the listeners, about places we can do these. So we've got these lined up now in Keller, Texas. I'm going to be in Keller, Texas on March 9th and 10th. Going to be in Franklin, Tennessee, April 27th. And then right here in Sarasota, Florida, August 10th and 11th for our bigger conference that we're titling Will It Fly? Now, those in Keller, Texas and Franklin, we're limiting to 48 people. So those are just kind of regional meetups. They're going to be shorter. And um, uh, so we're limiting the size of those just based on places that we're going to be having those. So jump in there. But uh, it's been a delight to see those. We just released that and uh, have people signing up to come into those. Uh, Tom Zigo reached out to me and said, hey, you're going to be in my neck of the woods. What can I do to, to help serve you, help make that a great event here in Texas? So we may have some surprises for you along the way, but jump into those and go to 48dayseagles.com slash experience. Now those, again, are going to be regional meetups in Texas and Tennessee. And then the one coming up here in August is going to be our major event for the year. I am so jazzed about that. We're going to be holding it at the Carlisle Inn, which is a beautiful conference center. We've got the whole conference center to ourselves for that. It's right next door to the Der Dutchman Restaurant. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but they're pretty famous for their Amish cooking, the amazing food that they have. I told the people I'm working with at the hotel, the conference center, that I wanted everybody to have that buffet experience that they get at, at the dur Dutchman. And they said, well, instead of having everybody go stand in line, because it's always crowded to go through there, they'll replicate that entire buffet, set it up inside the conference center lobby for our attendees. I am so jazzed about that. So anyway, we're going to have other things as part of the experience. You're going to leave with some goodies, some other surprise goodies that we're going to have ready for you to take with you. And we're going to end the day on Friday with our version, really, of Shark Tank. We aren't going to use that terminology. We're going to stick with Will It Fly? We're going to have a panel there to review. Now, you'll put in an application. Once you register for the event, you'll have an opportunity to apply for four or five of the spots that we'll choose then to have people present real business ideas. And we'll have a panel there of people who are prepared to invest in your company. Now, I'm not talking about with play dollars and just have a fun time. I'm talking about with real dollars. We have real dollars set aside for this. And I'm talking, you know, I mean, I'm not not talking $50 million, but we'll you know, have access to $250,000 for good ideas if, in fact, we choose to invest in those. So if you want a chance at that, Hey, that's going to be an awesome time together. We're going to sing together. We're going to eat together. We're going to play together. We're going to grow together. We're going to invest together. But uh, that's going to be a a primary focus for us this year, that being August 10th and 11th. So again, just check it out, 40dayseagles.com slash experience and get your spot to come to one of those events. All right. Now, I told you I was going to tell you about a little boy who defied the odds, who didn't point fingers of blame about his situation. That little boy's name is LeBron James. Now, as I'm recording this, I'm recording this on February 8th. It'll be a couple days before it goes live, but on the 8th, which means last night, February 7th, LeBron James broke the all-time NBA record for points scored. Now, up until last night, that... Honor was held by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was at the game last night to congratulate LeBron in this uh, historic moment. But Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had 38,387 career points. So that's a lot of points. No matter how you break it down per game, that's a lot of points. So last night, LeBron broke that and now stands at 38,390 points. Thirty-eight thousand three hundred ninety points, and I'm not a sports fan particularly, but it's just notable when something like that happens. I Wanted to bring it to your attention. Now, LeBron was born on December thirtieth, nineteen eighty-four. So that means that he is now thirty-eight years old. He was born to Goya Marie James, who was sixteen at the time of his birth. Now, his dad had an extensive criminal record, was not involved in his life, and so growing up was really tough. I mean, they were just barely surviving. Gloria, his mom, would move them from apartment to apartment in seedier neighborhoods of Akron, Ohio, while she struggled to find steady work. And finally realizing that her son would be better off in a more stable family environment, she allowed him to move in with another family, a local youth football coach. So when he was nine years old, this football coach introduced LeBron James to basketball and he grew up. So not exactly uh, the Silver Spoon upbringing. Well, he went on from that, and um, he seems to have done pretty well with that now honor of the most points ever in the MBA. He's a certified billionaire. I mean, he has restaurants and hotels and all kinds of things that he owns as a foundation where they've started hospitals and schools. So, certainly doing some some notable things out there, but got past that initial startup that he had that was not real great, not a whole lot in his favor. I just like stories like that. I mean, those are the kind of stories that I grew up on that inspired me, those Horatio Alger stories, rags to riches, where somebody had a lot of things against them and yet they rose up, got beyond that. You know, sometimes I think it's, I think it's an incentive more so if there is a struggle, then if things were really easy, well, I'm, I, I, I've read a lot about that over the years. That seems to be kind of something that holds true at the same time. You know, as parents, we don't want to purposely put our kids through struggles. We want to help make it easy for them, but uh, there has to be a limit on that because the struggles themselves do teach us, help us and learn things we otherwise would not learn. All right, this question comes from Nathan who says, Dan, I heard you mention quiet hiring on a recent episode. I've been making the prediction that over the next decade, we'll see a significant shift toward the Uberization of the U.S. workforce. In fact, I think this has already begun. What this means is that many organizations will end up hiring a much higher percentage of skilled contract labor, and workers will have the option to determine both workload, such as single shifts, full-time, overtime, and projects based on their skills, much like an Uber driver. Who chooses when, where, and how much they want to work. This will come with benefits and costs to both employers and individuals. Employers will pay more for talent, but will also have access to much more flexible talent options, including the option to scale and deploy talent where it's needed most. Individuals will benefit from increased flexibility and work and lifestyle autonomy, but also have less overall stability and the need to upskill and reskill more often. I've also said that the big winners in this process will be the, be the individuals who can provide ready now talent pools. For instance, if an organization needs accountants, nurses, coaches, writers, or many other professional skills, the most successful individuals will be the ones who have groups of these individuals ready to get to work when organizations need help assembling new teams quickly. What are your thoughts on all of this? Do you agree or do you have a different or more nuanced opinion. Well, Nathan, yeah, I have a more nuanced opinion than this. Now, I I like how you're framing this. And we recognize, you know, Uber is one of those things where yeah, you can just choose. Oh, I'm on today. No, I'm going to be off for four hours this afternoon. Then I'll be on again this evening. You can really kind of slice and dice, pick and choose when you want to be available. And there are a lot of things that will fall in that category. No, no question about it. But I think we need to be real careful about just focusing on hard skills where you just show up and you're a skill set, you're a set of hands, or a brain that can do a particular thing. If that is accounting, data input, uh, computer input, or computer programming, or even writing or performing. I mean, just this morning, I forwarded an article to a friend of mine who does voiceover work because the article was saying that now with AI technology, they can have somebody who has a really great voice do one commercial, as an example, and then they can replicate that voice. I mean, they voiceover work has been done because you have a, a really good voice, or I maybe mean, you have a real deep-sounding, you know, country voice, or a real cowboy-style voice, you know, or a British-sounding voice. Well, those things have been very valuable. And there are voiceover professionals who are doing very, very well in terms of generating six figure income and more in doing that kind of work. If they can take your voice one time and replicate it, do they really need you again? And AI has the technology, has the potential to be able to do that. So some of those things are going to be in jeopardy, as is the model of Uber, as an example. I mean, the, the, golly, the thousands and thousands of people that we have as truck drivers. Taxicab drivers, Uber drivers, those jobs are going to be obsolete 10 years from now. With self-driving cars, I mean, those jobs are on the line. Those aren't going to be, that's a good example of something that has been a really popular surge, Uber, but it's going to go away. It's going to go the other way. I mean, Uber itself is purchasing self-driving cars. So the Uber model of having independent drivers, yeah, that's worked, but believe me, that's not the core principle for Uber to make money as a company. They're moving into not needing those individuals that they have to contend with. Well, anyway, I think the the soft skills that we can develop are going to give us insulation from artificial intelligence and from being easily replaced. I mean, it goes back to, and I love the, the wealth of wisdom in Golly, that's just out there in the ages. I mean, I'm going to be adding another podcast called Wisdom from the Sa- From the Sages, not the ages, the Sages. But if we go back to back in the 1930s when Dale Carnegie came out with the little book How to Win Friends and Influence People, six ways to make people like you. You hear me mention that frequently. Number one, become genuinely interested in other people. Number two, smile. Number three, remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Number four, be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. Number five, talk in terms of the other person's interest. Six, make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. I think those things are going to be more valuable than high-level technical training as we move into this next season. You know, my son and I, Kevin, who has the Self-Helpful podcast that now has over 62 million downloads. Uh, Last month, at 650,000 downloads just in last month. We just did an interview uh, just this week, and he titled it, Transactional Relationships and How to Earn the Right to Tell or Ask Anything. But it deals with this. I'll put a link to that in our show notes today, a link to the interview that I just did with Kevin, where it goes more deeply into that and into the things that I think will make us... less vulnerable, I guess, less vulnerable to all these changes. The things that are going to give us a higher insulation and security. And it's not in the hard skills, it's in the the soft skills. So in answer to your question, Nathan, yeah, I I do take a more nuanced approach to that. I think you're on the right track in terms of trends, but I don't think they're going to be long lasting in terms of providing real security for anybody who is looking for that in the workplace. All right. Josh says, hi, Dan. My wife and I are former teen parents who got married and are now grandparents in our 40s. We want to start a podcast around our journey and what we've learned along the way. With over 25 years of lessons learned, how do we know where to start? The beginning, where we are currently, maybe topic-based. I know you'll have some great advice. Confused in Canton. Well, thanks, Josh, for your question. I mean, you can experiment with just telling your story. Incidentally, when it comes to podcasting, I mean, you know I love podcasting. I love the medium. After having been on live radio, I love podcasting. And they're very popular. We now have over 4 million podcasts. So there's a very competitive environment out here to get listeners. There's a whole lot of options for people who are listening to just take their pick and pick and choose what they want to listen to. But there's still opportunities there. There's no question about it. But you got to be clear on why it is you're doing it. You got to be clear that it's a medium that fits you well. So don't try to just force it if it's not something that you really enjoy. It's not a have to for anybody. But if you and your wife really enjoy it, you communicate easily back and forth, have a nice, you know, back and forth with you and your wife, then certainly experiment with it. But you can experiment with just telling your story. You can compile resources for other parents. Uh, You can invite guests on to share their perspective. You can review books on parenting. I mean, there's a lot of options that you can experiment with. And a way to make sense of a podcast is not to just give information, but to lead your listeners to take action in some way. Now, here's here's a process when when I talk about podcasting. There's kind of four steps in that. Number one, attention. Who is this for? Number two is engagement. Can they talk to you? Number three, trust. Will they go with you? Number four, permission. Do they want what you offer? See, that's the process that if you have a successful podcast, it's part of a journey for your listeners to take them to something. I'm going to give you a couple links here that will certainly help you. I mean, so much so. I mean, oh, three days from now, you can be an expert in podcasting and really see what you want to do with what you're presenting here as your situation now. If you go to podcasttalentcoach.com, that's our dean of podcasting in our 48 Days Eagles community, Eric K. Johnson. Ton of resources there. You know, if you have a podcast, he'll do a free review of your podcast to give you some feedback on it. But again, podcast talent coach. There's also a tutorial that Pat Flynn has. And Pat, of course, is widely respected in this space. Has had a podcast for a lot of years, as I have. And I, the, the link is far too long to give it to you verbally. So I'll put a link to it in our show notes. Again, if you go to 48days.com and go to the podcast, you'll see there in this episode, you'll see a link to this tutorial. But it's how to start a podcast in 10 steps. And he goes through exactly what you need to know. How to choose a podcast topic you can commit to. How to choose your podcast name. How to write a compelling podcast description. How to decide on your format. How to get artwork and music created. I mean, all those kind of things. He walks you right through that. Again, it's a tutorial totally free from Pat Flynn. I'll put that in the show notes. Thanks for your question on that. And welcome to the world of podcasting. Justin says, I've just turned 60 and I have 37 years of legal experience, but recently went back to technical college and gained an undergraduate degree in environmental sustainability, which is an area I'm very interested in. I've worked on my own as a lawyer for many, many years, most of my career. I don't want to do that anymore. I'd rather work with other lawyers and financially, I don't really need to work at all, by the way. Firms don't practice in this area, but I see big opportunities for it, and I'm thinking of approaching other law firms to work with them in developing this practice area, even though I'm not recognized as an expert in the area yet. How would you suggest going about this? Thank you. I love listening to the podcast. We've listened for several years now. Well, this, I'm, I'm a little confused, Justin, because you're an attorney, you're interested in environmental sustainability, and you say um, firms don't practice in this area. That's not been my observation. There are a lot of firms practicing in that area. I put in just a quick Google search, legal firms, environmental sustainability, just those four words, legal firms, environmental sustainability. And I put them in quotes, so it have to be all, the, all four of those together. And I got 211 million results. This is a really hot topic. There are so many law firms that are operating in that arena. You ought to have any kind of opportunity you want to. If you want to be a consultant, boom, you can do that. If you want to come in and uh, work your way up to partner in another firm that's already in that space, plenty of opportunities there. You know, if you want to speak in that area, if you want to write on that area, do research, take depositions. I mean, there's so many things that you could do as an attorney in the arena of environmental environmental sustainability. I looked for then opportunities for attorneys in environmental sustainability and got 43 million sites just for that. You can, there is now terminology, chief sustainability officer, be CSO, Chief Sustainability Officer, I and mean, that's a real title. MIT has a 12-month program. You can go through $28,000 to become licensed, certified, whatever, as a Chief Sustainability Officer. I mean, it's, you know, what, what is that? I mean, environmental environmental sustainability, those words, long words don't go together well. It's responsibility to conserve natural resources and protect global ecosystems to support health and well-being now and in the future so it's a really hot topic Again, i would encourage you just to look around a little bit talk around a little bit and i think you can list 20 opportunities that you could have as an attorney to move into that area especially with your having your jd and then also now having your degree in environmental environmental sustainability. I mean, what a great combination to just get out there and get in the game. Well, hey, I, I welcome, welcome that. Love to hear what you do to move forward in that area. You know, this is one of those new things. We've got new terminology. I'm working with a gentleman right now who is a CMO, Chief Marketing Officer. Well, that's one of those new terms as well. Now, what he's doing, he's actually created training to give certification to those who want to be Chief Marketing marketing officer. You know, the thing is, I I wanted to play that music when I usually tell you how you can submit your questions and I will, but I want to finish this thought with chief marketing officer. I mean, we know that marketing is important. Marketing is different than sales. Marketing is that positioning, your branding, your logo to get the word out there to be recognized as a company, as a viable company. And a lot of people have been hired into positions of marketing you know, the 23-year-old who just graduated with a degree and comes in and is going to do Facebook ads for a company. Marketing is more than that. Marketing really needs to have both left and right brain components in it, where it's the creative side, you know, the getting attention and all that, but also the ability to process and understand data how is this impacting what we're doing? What are the results that we're getting when we do a campaign or when we send out an email to track that as well? So chief marketing officer is becoming more recognized as a viable designation that can really help a company move forward. Well, again, the music there is usually when I tell you. If you want to submit your question here, I'd love to consider that. For an upcoming episode, if you go to 48days.com slash Dan, you can leave your question there and you can leave it, either leave an audio, which I'm going to play here for you right now, or you can uh, just write it out as most people do as well. And if I use your question, I'll be happy to send you a copy of uh, 48 Days to the Work You Love, an autographed copy. Matter of fact, this listener right here, whose question I'm going to play, I'm going to send him a a different resource and I'll tell you what that is here in a minute. But this is from a gentleman who you'll hear here, this is from a 90-year-old gentleman who has an idea about what he wants to do about a dream that he has and how he's going to bring it to life. Now, really interesting, but I want you to hear it. He wrote it to me as well, but I want you to hear in his words what he's got going here. Check this out. I
1: have a dream, an impossible dream, a dream so foolish that I'd be an idiot to try it and so glorious that I'd be stupid not to go for it. What am I talking about? The fact that people in prime years are shotted off life's main highways and told to creep along the side roads or just park and wait out their time. So dreams die, visions crumble, creativity dries up, and the world is robbed. I'm determined to do something about it, impossible or not. I'm 90 years old, and I know what can be achieved when you unleash a team of visionary, talented, on-fire prime timers. So, here's what I'm looking for. 65 men and 65 women, all 65 years or older, each with a commitment that they'll awaken a highly treasured dream that in 65 days, they'll turn into reality from a dream
0: they'll have a legacy in the making all right dale thank you so much for that i love that i love everything about it you uh, are saying that the fact that people in their prime years are shunted off life's main highways and told to creep along the side roads what a great line in there love your writing your heart for this. Hey, you You create a plan. We'll be happy to send people your way. Now, I don't know what your strategy for doing this is, but you want 65 men, 65 women, all 65 years of age or older who are committed to activate, bring back, revive a highly treasured dream in 65 days. Hey, sounds like my kind of plan. Uh, I'm using 48, you take 65. I love it. I'd love to see how you want to do that, how you want to encourage people, how you want to group them together. You know, maybe you'll need to have an event for that. Um, Your show here, let's see, you're from, well, you're from Bowling Green, Kentucky. So there you go, put together an event where you invite these people to get together. There's something about being together, you know, breaking bread together, spending time together that has a magic impetus to move us forward more so than just, you know, seeing somebody on a Zoom screen or just reading a book or hearing an article, you know, read somewhere. So yeah, do it, my goodness. You know, it reminds me of my, Stages of life. I, I keep running into this more and more, you know, where people say, well, I'm 65. You know, I'm probably too old to, to start anything new. You know, gee, I'm 55 or 45. You know, I hear it from 27 year olds who say, oh, I think I missed my opportunity. So I've been working on these stages of life. And I'll just kind of lay them out here again, real quickly, see what you think of these. I've, I've, Put these out before, and I always get a lot of response back from people who feel like they're kind of missing their opportunity. And I don't mean to imply these are hard lines where you either did it or you didn't. I think we can float back and forth across these, but in essence, and I'm going kind to of wrap up with this. I think in the I, I I titled each decade. So the 20s are learning. This is a decade where you try lots of things to see which ones motivate you. This is often called a critical decade in which we establish spending, saving patterns, make relational, educational decisions that will direct us for the rest of our lives. So that's the 20s. And in the 30s, I call experimenting. This is a decade, 10 years, where you sort out your interests to eliminate the ones that don't fit who you are. The 40s, I title mastering. This is a decade where you focus on those things you've kept after your experimenting process, developing your skills and becoming an expert in something. The fifties then are reaping. This is a period where you reap the rewards of the decisions you've made in the previous decades and create systems to reach your highest earning potential. Sixties are guiding. This is a decade where you mentor others with the wisdom you gained in prior years and leverage your major life message. Seventies, leaving a legacy. The decade where you put things in place to live on when you're no longer here you're recognized as the elder, the sage, the contributor of wisdom. Then the 80s, maximizing your zone of genius. The decade where you spend 75% of your time doing the one thing you do best. Majority of your duties have been eliminated, delegated, or systematized. And then I go into the 90s, savoring a life well lived. This is a time to reflect on memories and seeds planted enjoying a sense of transcendence, moving beyond physical reality, time to enjoy rich relationships and the anticipation of eternal peace. Well, that's where Dale is already in his 90s, savoring a life well-lived and now looking back to help those that are a little farther behind him move forward. Wow, I love that. You know, when I put that out there and ask people, you know, what has been your experience about moving through these stages of life? How do we describe moving back and forth? You know, do you feel like you're on track for the season of life you're living? Well, I get comments back immediately like this. Dan, unfortunately for me, I'm now 55 and I didn't learn much about saving or learning. And now I'm stuck with the fact, facing the fact that I'm behind on my promises to my children and my family. Help me. Um, he says, "I, I just wanted to pipe in with my two cents on the stages of life career. I'm turning 40. So I'm moving out of experimenting into mastery. My 30s have seen me quit my job, become self-employed in a niche field of engineering. My wife is also self-employed. We paid off our mortgage on January of last year, and we're excited about the next stage of life. We're both doing so much better at living a healthier, balanced life. I'm always encouraged when I hear you share about the stages of life because it reaffirms that we don't have to get everything right in the early stages of life. I love that you're still rocking it at your age, and I don't plan to do anything foolish like retire either. So there's so much to live for. And then here's here's one. I'm guessing no one reads this email, but I'll send it anyway. Sadly, because of a lifetime of dumb decisions, I'm now 57, single, no kids, no assets, and struggling to get work. I guess that puts me into stage one. I don't have the slightest idea what to do. I absolutely load the place I'm currently living. There's two work options, retail or medical, and I'm no longer able to lift. So retail is somewhat limited as is the pay available. So buying a home and saving for retirement appear to be mutually exclusive. All right. Now I'm gonna I, I don't want to end on a, a down note there by any means, but my goodness, you know, when we think about these stages of life, you can feel like you missed your opportunity. I mean, I, had, I did some major boo-boos in my 40s. It wasn't where I was just mastering everything, believe me. And in that sense, I probably stepped back a couple decades and having to learn some new things to move forward. But I think we can move around in these. But ultimately, I love the idea of moving into those where there's guiding, living a legacy, maximizing your zone of genius. I've got a, a decade there identified in the 90s. But I probably need to add add another one to that at least because more and more people are becoming centurions they're reaching 100 years of age and more and a, a friend just this last week who died it was 102 just a delightful lady um, big family around her so uh, i need to add another decade on here you can send me suggestions for what you think that ought to be called when you move into the hundreds there what that ought to be well we'll have Lots of wisdom to share here as you continue to shoot those questions into me. Again, you can send those into 48days.com slash ask Dan. You can go there and remember to check out the events that we've got coming up. Wow, there's nothing I'm more excited about right now than that. Just go to 48dayseagles.com slash experience and let me know that you're going to be showing up. You're going to be able to, we're going to be able to meet together in texas tennessee or florida with those events coming up be delighted to see you there to shake your hand give you a hug around the neck and uh, just share some ideas together as we continue to do so thanks for listening thanks for sending in your questions thanks for being open to growing for being a powerful force for making the world a better place you know the best thing you can do to just um if you want to thank me in any way is to share this episode you know, sharing these is the way that more people recognize there's opportunities to get some hope and encouragement each week here. I'd be delighted if you did that. Thank you for that. Share it to three with three, three of your friends who are committed to personal growth. And they will thank you for it as well. Become known for positivity, for offering hope and encouragement to others. I mean, if you give someone a book or tell them about a resource like this and it helps them succeed, it'll you know, elevate your credibility. They'll think higher of you because of what you've done. Be that kind of person and then stay committed to your belief that we can, without a shadow of a doubt, find or create work and a life that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. See you next week.